Welcome in to the world-famous huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Getting you guys ready with a two-hour preview show of the Seahawks' upcoming game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, before I get to that, and we're going to have some players on, by the way, DJ Reed joining us, Penny Hart joining us, uh, in addition to some experts, Ray, Robert, Ray Roberts and Steve Rabel. Uh, let's take a very, very quick hopefully look back at the Seahawks loss Monday night to the Saints. Guys, this felt like it was a winnable game throughout. I mean, it really did come down to a couple of missed field goals for Seattle and a made field goal for the Saints. And despite so many stats that felt good, keeping them to one of four in the red zone, Dave, uh, it still felt like an ugly loss. Yeah, it did. And, you know, it was um, there were some pretty basic things that happened that they didn't take care of. Um, you know, and we can get into the quarterback play and, you know, some of the, the runs and things like that. But you jumped off sides when there was a field goal that made it, you know, so they, they got a closer field goal anyway. Um, you had to take a timeout because the defense wasn't right. That was when Al Woods came running off the field. And then he got an offsides penalty running on the field. And Big Al Woods was a hero in that game. He worked his tail off. But those are situations you just can't make mistakes in. Um, and then, you know, look, I'll complain till the cows come home about the hit by Marquise Blair on the on the sack. And everybody's like, well, why did he do that? Well, it's an accident. I mean, nobody right. wants to do that on purpose and get a flag. So, you know, but that's a big moment there. And then, you know, for uh, Gino taking sacks, mm-hmm. you know, out of field goal position and, you know, not giving him a chance at the end. There were just a lot of situations that you know that that they kind of they kind of blew it but i mean you look at what they did defensively 304 yards i mean that's a huge improvement and you know i, I just think to me the other thing is i think that um alex collins is a rhythm runner he's a rhythm player and i know he got carries in the first half but it was like four here and then four later and then for, you know, it's like not in a row. And then for uh, Rashad Penny, I mean, he just stops his feet when he gets contact. That's the thing. He does not run through contact. So I felt like they should have just stuck with Alex Collins and gone, mm-hmm. you know, that way. That would have been uh, – but, you know, look, that's hindsight. But for all of the mistakes that they made, um, you know, in big situations, that's – you know, that's not what a veteran team with good leadership does. Yeah, and I, I very much pointed to that as well as being a big – takeaway from that game is you can look at and we can dive into the x's and o's of all of uh of the issues running game wise and offensively um but i I thought the defense played a lot better uh they played a lot better they handled a team that i think is not a very good offense particularly right now especially when you have michael thomas that is not there you have a dynamic playmaker in in alvin kamara that you allowed allowed to still be an impact player but outside of that I thought they played much better, um, and, and and the mistakes of penalties, the mistakes of missed field goals, you're looking at those, uh, you know, from that game, uh, and saying, man, those are the things that if you just clean that stuff up, you win the game, despite how ugly everything else may have been. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Kamara. That was another thing I I forgot to mention because. Some of the mistakes that they're making on defense aren't specific just to this defense. I've been saying that a lot this year, but they're they're universal mistakes. And and one of them is like the play with Ryan Neal where he it's he runs like an arrow route out and back in. You never get beat inside. You just don't. You don't get beat inside. Make him beat you outside. And the reason why is because Jameis Winston is not an accurate quarterback, and every quarterback, the middle of the field is a much easier throw. 
You know, like you look at Garoppolo, he doesn't throw well outside the numbers, but and Winston, not a super accurate, but that's such an easy throw to him. It's right up the middle. So, you know, you get beat across your face inside. I mean, that's, again, one of those things. First of all, I thought, well, well how about we double him, you know, with yeah. Kamara? I, I mean, was surprised they didn't. I mean, you yeah. know heading into the game that – that he is their best offensive weapon, and he still finished. They limited him on the ground. He still finished, though, with uh, about 170 yards from scrimmage. Yeah, he did. And so, yeah, I, I know that they kind of limited him in the in the second half, but, I mean, that should have been taken care of. So, And, right. and again, yeah. it's, just a, it's just a general rule. Like, not knowing what the defense is or not knowing, you know, and he obviously didn't have help on the inside, but you much rather get beat outside than inside. Mm-hmm. So anyway, just those kinds of fundamental mistakes were kind of frustrating. But yeah, the defense, they, they you know, statistically played better. They, Speaking of mistakes, if there's something that uh, you guys would pack up and take with you or throw away and leave behind when it comes to this game, what would you do? For instance, I, I'd like to pack up and take with us into this game against Jacksonville. Uh, they're holding the Saints to 15% on third down and keeping them 25% in the red zone. What I'd like to to throw away, leave behind in the trash at the old house is five sacks of Geno Smith. Yeah. Well, how, how many do you think also that those were on Geno, not right. getting rid of the ball? Maybe <laughs> um, there were there That's were felt. there were two, but the one that brought out a field goal range, I, I actually broke this down on Seven Ten Sports dot com, um, and that particular play, it's cover zero. They line up uh, seven man on the line of scrimmage. They have the clear protection plan, and it's one guy that doesn't do his job, and that's Kyle Fuller. And it is a very easy move. It is, you know, they got DeMario Davis up in the A-gap, and Kyle Fuller snaps the ball, tries to tries to flash his hands, take a step towards him, when that's not his job. It's Travis Homer's job to go up and fill that gap and take DeMario Davis head on, which, by the way, he does an amazing job of doing. He stalemates him. Uh, and, and, and Kyle Fuller lets the defensive tackle, who's playing a wide three technique, he, he lets him get out uh, and 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 is late to the block, and Gino doesn't even have time to react. I mean, he, and and now you're sacked, and now you've got a 52 yard field goal. It's those types of execution errors that you have offensively that just repeated itself in the run and in the passing game from the offensive line. That was just it was very hard to to watch that aspect of it because yes, there's a physical component of it. Are you winning your one on one battle? But mentally, are you executing your job? And that's one thing that I would like to leave that behind us and hopefully start executing better uh, with be just being assignment sound. Um, well, I was going to say <laughs> one thing uh, that I would take with us is corner play. It's almost like you got a, a little bit of a competition going. Yeah. I mean, that's a good thing. It used to be like, okay, who are we going to put in there? Now it's, you know, Sidney Jones and, and Trey Brown, and then I think DJ Reed's playing really well. Yeah. So that that's something that I'll pack up and take with us. Uh, one thing I want to leave behind is not being physical at the point of attack on defense. You know, you just have to watch Demario Davis. That's how you – fill a gap that's how you play linebacker that's you know and I, I thought Brooks did a couple of good jobs on, on you know short yardage he had a really nice hit you know did a good job in the middle of the field coverage wise but you know we just have to you know you look at the Jacksonville Jaguar linebackers they're very physical they they attack the line of scrimmage and and you know the, the other thing is I was trying to explain this to somebody but when there's a double team block in front of you as a linebacker and they're doubling a, ta- a defensive tackle you're supposed to go hit that 
And the reason why is when you hit that guard, he's like 190 pounds because if he weighs, you know, 330, he's pushing on another guy. And so, you know, it just makes him lighter. And you, you could blow him up if you attack that double-team block. And our linebackers aren't really doing that. And so mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, you see uh, some of the really good physical defenses around the league doing. And I, that's something uh, I would like to leave behind as far as catching blocks and things like that. I'd like to see him attack the line of scrimmage. Did you see that as an issue in this game? Or is that a one that's kind of popped up throughout the season? Throughout the season. But, yeah, but th- there was a couple of plays. It wasn't as obvious. It, mm-hmm. The only thing that made it obvious was watching Demario Davis. I mean, you saw him attack Kyle Fuller and knock him into the backfield. I don't even think he got the tackle on that play because no. uh, Kyle Fuller actually made the tackle. Yes. <laughs> you know, because he blasted him. So him right back, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's something I think that, uh, you know, they, they could definitely benefit from. Yeah, the the, uh, the last thing that I'll say is just the thing that I want to take with us. And I was kind of going through it, listening to you guys, you know, defensively, offensively, what am I going to pick? But the one thing that I would say is that we didn't do enough of that is there for the taking in these the Jacksonville as we start to preview this team. They are going to give you a lot of one-on-one opportunities, a lot of one-on-one man-to-man situations. And, you know, the Saints, they challenged the Seahawks. They said, okay, all right, we know what you want to do. We know the type of team that you want to be in this type in this game and we are going to load the box we're going to give you eight and we're going to give you nine man boxes we're going to challenge you and we know that you got Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf but we're going to challenge you and see if Geno Smith can get it done and he beat you with uh, with an 84 yard touchdown uh, to DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett just almost had another one but you have to you have to be willing to take those one-on-one matchup opportunities and and trust those guys to make those plays because when you run the football and you're dedicated to doing it you're going that's what you want you want stacked boxes so that you can take advantage of it with your weapons we're going to be doing a more thorough opponent preview coming up at 1 30 taking a closer look at the jags the challenges or opportunities that this team brings we're also going to be uh talking with seahawks reporter john boyle about the state of the team right now injury updates uh competitions who could be starting that hasn't been before uh, all of that coming up at 12.45. Before that, though, we've got back-to-back player interviews here. We're getting started with cornerback DJ Reed. Don't go anywhere. This is the huddle. This is the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Getting you guys ready for a Week 8 matchup between the Seahawks and the Jags. This one going to be at Lumen Field. Let's hope the weather is a little bit better this time. Also, going to be a Halloween Day matchup. Uh, I don't know. Wyman, I'm assuming that you're wearing a costume in your broadcast with Raves. My costume will be a jacket and tie. Have you thought about dressing up as Steve Rabel? Oh, that's a good one. How do I age myself 30 years? <laughs> um, think about it. Listen, I am wearing a uh, Halloween tie. It'll be black okay. and orange. Okay. Oh, that works. All right. That, yeah. That's good. Now, I mean, Jake, are you You could add a up? little, you know, like fake blood to it, which, you know, would add <laughs> Jake, to the Halloween dark. element of it. Yeah, I, I mean, don't talk to us about dark. dark. You were you, talking about I death know. earlier. Exactly. I was <laughs> driving in. I almost had to change the channel. <laughs> it's like you started thinking about your existence. Like, what's going on Look, here? the Astros just make me question my own mortality. Oh, that's my all gosh. it is. It's that's just really a very bad. dark moment. You're worse than Bob Stelton. He hates them, but you start talking about death. I'll tell you. Well, we're going to be able to see a team that has an opportunity against a Jags team that's really, really struggled this year. And we're going to be doing a little more of a preview uh, of what's going on. But what have you guys made of Urban Meyer's first year as head coach? <laughs> it's been very, <laughs> uh, very unique, I would say, uh, in terms of how this has gone for him. And, and really what he is, is he is a figurehead. 
when you look at Urban Meyer and what he has put together and the structure in which he has gone about it, he has been a figurehead. So you have Brian Schottenheimer and Daryl Bevel who are leading the offense. You have Joe Collins who is a you know very much a veteran defensive-minded guy who's a defensive line coach with the Baltimore Ravens for the past five years. He's the one who's in charge of the defense. So I would say that for Urban Meyer, his job has been to establish a culture, to establish respect, to establish those things, and he has not done a good job of that. But despite that, you do see development from the Jags. You see it from the players. You see it in terms of their scheme and playing within that scheme. They've had some better games of recent, uh, you know, playing the Bengals really tough, nearly winning that game. And then the Dolphins, they they took those guys into overtime. So you see flashes and glimpses of this talented roster playing better. Um, but in terms of Urban Meyer, uh, it has been a very shaky Wyman, shaky I see start. you with your flip card. What have you made of this team so far? Yeah, I was just watching the Miami game. They played over in London, and uh, it's the one game they won. And it, it's just like every week. You, you start watching the film and go, ooh, that guy can ball. Look at that guy's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I see a physical team. James Robinson, what, amazing. He was a free agent in 2020. He had like 1,400 yards from scrimmage last year, 10 touchdowns. And what is he at now? Like 600 almost. And he's got five touchdowns. So, I mean, it's just a reminder that just ballers on every team, every team has them. Uh, him and, and Jamal Agnew, uh, who they got from Detroit, that kid, I mean, he's 5'10", 190. He wants to run people over. Mm. You know, he, he is a tough guy. So, I mean, you know, you, you've got Trevor Lawrence. We'll see, you know, what they can throw at him and try to confuse him a little bit. I would just say, you know, a lot of times what we're doing is trying to jump things and trying to play hunches and things like that. And I wonder if there's going to be more of that with Trevor Lawrence out there because they're thinking, okay, this guy's a rookie. But, um, but no, I mean, as far as uh, the, the team goes, I mean, Urban Meyer, the, the weirdest thing about, I know everybody's making fun of the whole thing, and there was like supposedly something in a oh, bar. Oh, I'm going to be scene. making fun of it a lot yeah. this week. So, but the weirdest thing to me was that it was a Thursday game and he stayed behind. Yeah, didn't the, fly back with the team. The coach didn't, didn't go back with the team. That's unheard of. Yep. So that was the thing that honestly bothered me the most. Yeah. But, but, you know, I, I don't know. We talk to the professor every day, and all he does is rip Urban Meyer. <laughs> that so doesn't he calls him me. Urban Myers, and I think he's doing it out of disrespect. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's – it seems like it's okay. I mean, I you haven't – you've heard a few things uh, come out of there where people were thinking that, you know, maybe he wasn't doing a great job. But it's – I don't feel like he's lost the team or anything like that. But um, I think it's a big – big difference between we've seen with college players going to pro and vice versa that you know sometimes it doesn't work out Jake you know your quarterbacks how's Trevor Lawrence been looking honestly I've really liked the progression that I've seen from him uh over the course of the season and this guy is a very talented passer I mean when you talk about is he worth being the first overall pick very much so uh, he can make all the throws. He is a very athletic kid. Um, and right now he's going through adversity with an organization that is not built to win right now. And how do you handle losing after experiencing really your first regular season loss of your entire life? It happened at the NFL level. And so there's been a lot of growth that he's needed to do. You look at uh, the way that he has played so far this season, his um, his interception numbers 
uh, were were very high yeah. in, in the first couple games. He's and, seven and, and eight right now. Yes, that's averaged out a little bit. It has averaged out. I mean, he his first three games he threw two, at least two picks. Two his first game he threw three, two, and then two. And then since then he is taking better care of the football. And by no surprise, when he's taking care of the football, they're they have had a shot. They the the Jags have been in those games in which he does not throw an interception. So that's really going to be the key. Uh, as you're looking at at Trevor Lawrence's, does he turn the ball over or not? Um, and as he's growing and trying to find his way in this league, he's learning what he can't and can't do. Um, and and that is what stood out to me. But overall, I think he's got a very, very bright future. You know, it's funny. I was looking at the way uh, Russ started his in the, uh, career. And the reason why he's in all of these record books with Drew Brees and everything is because he started out right in the very beginning. But Trevor Lawrence is too. But at this, uh, at the first eight games, Russ had 10 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So, wow. I, and, and, but then you look at, and they were four and four at that point, halfway through. Yeah. But then they went on a tear, and the Seahawks finished seven and one, and Russ, the rest of the way for the second eight, threw 16 touchdowns and just two interceptions. So, you know, he, he really turned it around. I mean, Russ has become like the gold standard for quarterbacks as far as efficiency goes, lack of interceptions. And then, you know, starting from the very beginning, you look at almost every quarterback. You know, uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be maybe one of these guys like Russ, but almost every quarterback started off with like on the bench and, Mm -hmm. you know, and and especially in the old days, it used to be like even John Elway, you know, he wasn't starting right away. And then he got in the game and lined up underneath the guard. You ever hear that story? (laughs) No. Yeah. He went under the guard and then they're like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Trick play. Somebody on defense was like, you know, telling him to get under center. Uh, Joining us right now, speaking of defense, cornerback DJ Reed. Uh, DJ, I know it's not where you guys want to be right now. Now, but you have to move forward. You have to look ahead to Jacksonville. So walk us through after that game. What was the conversation like in the locker room? Well, it was tough, as you would imagine. Yeah. Just, you know, being in close games and just not finishing. You know, there's a lot of plays. You know, it takes a whole football game. But being so close and playing so well, it's pretty just frustrating, to say the least. But, I mean, we got the right guys in our locker room, so we're going to keep, you know, competing and setting the tone and you know we're going to eventually start winning especially when you look at the turnover ratio we're doing good we're plus three for the season which is number 10 in the nfl so we got to just keep doing what we're doing and um just make an emphasis on finishing well dj it seems like you know a big part of the defense and pete carroll's defenses are always about the defensive backfield and you guys at corner uh we've got it kind of locked down it seems like there's maybe a competition going on the other side and then you know you're playing really well right now do you guys feel as a group as a defensive back group pretty solid right now yeah I feel like we're pretty solid but I feel like we could obviously get better including myself you know I had a, a big um, pass interference call in the third and five that ended up with three points and you know they ended up winning by three so I look at all the case scenarios in which I could have been better and I could have played with more clean hands on that play even though I felt that you know it wasn't a good call but I mean just looking at it, seeing what I could do differently, it's got to be, you know, just tighter in coverage and um, playing with better and cleaner hands. But um, as far as the the DB room, I feel like we're we're starting to gel together. Um, 
our third down winning rate right now is very high, so we got to keep it going. Well, DJ, I'm glad you have that attitude because you have to, but that was a BS call. I'm sorry. <laughs> I complained about it for three plays after that. So, anyway. <laughs> DJ, uh, you know, he's talking about that progression, and I've been looking specifically at you uh, and the turn that you've made this season, starting with really with the 49ers game. You know, is there been something that you have been able to look at and point to individually and say, hey, I've got to start doing this again and get back to this? Or is it just the the fact, the simple fact of you f- you're more comfortable being on the other side of the field than where you started the first three games? Yeah, I think it's the simple fact that I moved to the side that I was playing at right corner. I would say um, I'm just more comfortable on that side, to be honest with you, as far as just when I watch film. I'm comfortable looking more on that side and knowing what I do, and that probably comes from me playing that side when I was at Kansas State. So I've been playing that for years instead of the left corner. It's kind of funny because I didn't think it would be much of a difference, but playing left corner felt different to me than playing right corner. Yeah, I, I can see it in the play, man, and it's it's not to say that the other side was you know horrific or anything like that, but I just see it in the confidence and you know you playing press and you you playing the way that you did last year. You can just see the confidence ooze through you when you feel that comfort. You know what does it allow you to do out on the field? Yeah, it's just a comfort thing. Just like some people prefer playing strong safety than free safety, vice versa. So for me, it just I'm just out there playing football. I'm not really thinking. I look at the formation. I'm just comfortable, so it just allows me to play free. Hey, DJ, uh, one of the plays that you made that was so good was in the uh, the Pittsburgh Steeler game, and it looked like you, you thought you could have had it. It looked like it would have been a tough catch, but you got a great pass rush there by Daryl Taylor. That that you know, as far as your guys' coordination, you know, you covering long enough for them to get home, them getting home and forcing a throw like that. That's a it's a pretty tight relationship, right? Well, most definitely. It goes hand in hand. You know, it starts with the guys up front. When they get pressure, that makes quarterbacks make mistakes. And um, vice versa, though, when we cover tight, that allows the quarterback to hold the ball so they can get sacked. So, I mean, we work hand in hand. And um, DT, he's a terrific player. He's going to be very special. Um, His get-off is very good, almost elite. And um, his motor, he has a high motor. He's always running to the ball. Um, he's a baller. Man, yeah, I always I love hearing uh, insight from other players, too. Just unprompted, like, yeah, watch out for this guy. All right, he yeah. is DJ Reed. DJ, man, it's been fun watching you, and uh, and we know it's just a matter of time before that record starts to catch up with the improvements you guys are making. So uh, keep at it and uh, have fun out there Sunday. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Thank DJ. You. All right. He's always such a pleasure to talk to. Like the nicest guy. Uh, All right. We are going to uh, jump to another player here. Wide receiver Penny Hart going to join us in just a few minutes. This is The Huddle. Don't go anywhere. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross getting you guys ready with a two-hour preview show for the Seahawks. In week eight, they are taking on the Jags at home on Halloween. Speaking of, Dave, I said that you should dress up as Rabel, Steve Rabes, for Halloween. Uh, We have a listener who said, Dave, will you please be the boss for Halloween? Oh, yeah. That would be a good costume. (laughs) I don't think so. Think about it. No? My son has a boss t-shirt. Yeah, and I took a picture of him and sent it to Boz, actually. But hey, have you seen, by the way, not to get off topic, Boz and the Dr. Pepper commercials? No. They're yes. hilarious. They're really? fantastic. He's really good. Yeah, and the guy's made like 30 movies, but none 
that are very good. So not feeling the Boss Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, is Dr. it because Pepper, you're scared? He plays he plays scared. that he plays that police officer very very. Well. He does he does. It's like he's kind of like Burt Reynolds a little bit. It's kind of who he reminds me of, like his yeah. sense of humor and he's he was always funny. He was always funny. But no, I will not dress up like the Boss. All I'd rather right. dress up like Rabel. What would I put on like a Mister Rogers sweater mm. and you know talk probably. about being a tight end a lot. He's a wide receiver. He's a wide receiver. You guys know Rabel ran like a sub four four forty. He ran like a Did he four really? three eight. No. He was a track guy at, uh, and he was a wide receiver, but he was a track guy. If at only Georgia cameras Tech. existed, then you know yeah. they would have been able to catch it. That's a bummer. Of course, that was hand time. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it's true, right. Which is they deceiving. etched it in stone, and then yeah. they put it up on the wall in little pillars. They tilted an hourglass and then counted how many <laughs> sand crystals. They went by the shadows of how quickly he could do that. Oh, seriously, he was a, and he was a track guy, so. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. But uh, I, awesome. You gonna dress up? I know you're on the big screen. I see you on the big screen. Out I don't there know. I got I gotta, I gotta see something. I, I I gotta I gotta find a good costume. But we are joined right now by uh, wide receiver Penny Hart of the Seahawks. Speaking of Penny, I know that you guys are playing on Halloween. Do you have Halloween plans after the game? Are you gonna dress up? Um, no Halloween plans after the game. Probably, you know, just hanging out and. Handing out some, maybe some cash or some candy to the kids who come. Oh, cash man. or cash. candy? I'm coming to your house. Yeah, I got a, I, I've got a five and a two year old, so I'm going to try and double dip, Penny. <laughs> You're going to take them on two well, separate trips. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll notice you. Okay. <laughs> you won't. You'll be able to resist me. You won't be able to resist them. So that's the key. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, Penny, tell us uh, tell us how the week has been. Disappointing loss, obviously, but uh, tell us. Uh, you know, you guys get rid of that stuff pretty quick. Flush it on Tuesday, I suppose, and then, or maybe even Monday, and then uh, get on to Jacksonville. What's the what's the uh, spirit like there on the offense? It's the same. You know, we we keep the same motto going throughout the whole week and throughout the year. I mean, you can't. You can't change. I think it's all about being consistent and keeping the same mindset. I think, you know, our coach hit it on the head. It's just a matter of just executing, you know, um, getting back to the basics of fundamentals and doing what we got to do to win games. And, you know, um, the people who do it best, they end up winning. And I don't think we've done that to the best of our ability. So it's just a matter of, you know, cleaning up the small things and getting back to work, working on the fundamentals and, you know, making sure we can put it all together. Penny, with the with the new uh, renewed emphasis of running the football, uh, it, as you as we all saw on Monday night, it, it does leave a lot of room for opportunities in one on ones. If a defense is willing to commit a lot of resources to the box uh, for that run game, uh, what is the receiver mentality when you get in those situations like that? Every single time, it's you know when our one on one matchups. Um, I think our room is one of the best rooms in the league, if not the best. And, you know, we we hold ourselves to a high standard. If we get man in coverage, you know, we got to do what we got to do and take care of business and make it easy on the rest of the team and doing our part. So, you know, making it easy on Geno and getting open and, you know what I'm saying, at the end of the day, getting down the field and making those explosive plays, you know. So me, Freddie, DK, Tyler, doing what we got to do, winning our one-on-ones and, and taking our uh, opportunities when they come to us. Hey, out of curiosity, Penny, what's just the mood around the facility this week? I mean, this is kind of a new environment for a lot of guys who have been with this team and, and have normally, you know, not had to struggle early in the season. So are you guys keeping kind of the, the mood lifted? Is it quiet? Is it excited? What's everyone feeling? It's always excited. I mean, we take on the identity of our leadership and, you know, guys like Russ 
still doing what he does. Gino, you know, being out here still taking care of his business and being a guy that can lead us to do what we have to do. Bobby, um, you know, the just the leadership that we have on this team and that's been here for so long and, you know, knows how to win. Coach Carroll, everybody continuing to keep high spirits. I mean, you know, I think if y'all were to walk in here right now, y'all would see that nothing as far as our attitude is changing because nothing needs to change on that end. Like I said earlier, we just have to execute, you know, putting the plays where they need to be. It's nothing as far as our attitudes needing to change. It's just a matter of executing the plays when we have our opportunities and doing what we have to do to capitalize, you know, off of uh, plays that we have in the games. All right, Penny Hart, enough with the football. I want to know two things. One is what was your favorite or most memorable Halloween costume that you dressed up as when you were a kid and then your favorite Halloween candy hmm I remember I was like three years old and I dressed up as a pumpkin my mom dressed <laughs> me and all my brothers and sisters up as pumpkin, that was pumpkin. The highlight? <laughs> yeah painted our faces and everything so we it's five of us so she dressed all of us up as pumpkins, painted our faces and my favorite candy I'm a chocolate guy so any type of chocolate I'm I'm with that. That's that's what I want to eat. How about the worst candy? Worst Halloween candy. The worst candy? candy? I really think Tootsie Rolls and can, uh, candy corn, that is not. Okay. Mm-mm. First yes, of all, Penny, not, yes. Penny, like Penny when's the last you. time you had candy corn? Because it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Okay, well, out of respect for you, it sounds like you like candy corn. <laughs> I'm just going to leave Pe- that conversation there. I'm, Penny, I'm isn't it just sugared fan. wax? You're just no, eating sugar not. wax, man. It, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. Just, I'm, It's just not a fan. I'm not a fan of it at all. Penny. I like how he was so respectful to you Thank about you. that. Yeah, though, appreciate that. Yeah. Appreciate that. He, <laughs> he is wide receiver Penny Hart. Uh, well, Penny, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a blast. Uh, obviously, have fun this Sunday and uh, and enjoy your Halloween. I, I hope that you're able to relax and kick back after the game and and uh, enjoy giving out the cash when Jake and his kids try to stop by. We're a times. we're in dinosaur costumes, okay, Penny? So just be on the <laughs> don't lookout. don't open your door. <laughs> I'll be expecting y'all, then. I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Thanks Penny. Penny. He is Seahawks wide receiver Penny Hart. All right, you're listening to the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross. We're gonna take a look at the status of this team check out injury updates competition it's all coming up next with seahawks.com reporter john boyle this is the huddle with dave wyman jake heaps and stacy ross joining us right now to talk about where the seahawks team is is seahawks.com reporter john boyle hey john how's it going hey stacy how are you uh i'm good i'm excited for halloween one of my favorite holidays and i am hoping that the seahawks are able to get a win on sunday so that it's even sweeter uh talk about who we have coming back i know daryl taylor could could be back here damian lewis what's the latest with those two yeah i mean Pete carroll said both those guys are looking like they should be back and they both did practice fully yesterday which is obviously a really good sign for those guys so um you know early on we gotta see how everybody gets through the week but early on it's looking like maybe brandon shell is really the only injury question mark um he did he did not practice yesterday and he's dealing with that ankle so should be fairly healthy i mean obviously you have the guys on IR and Marquis Blair will be heading there. But in terms of the rest of the roster, should be pretty healthy heading into this game. John, Daryl Taylor, you know, we heard from Pete how special he was. First of all, I don't, I'm not surprised that they didn't play him just because that would have been kind of weird going from hospital, you know, ambulance ride to, oh, he's okay and play. And I, they erred on the side of caution. But as far as his talent, man, I, I feel like he has the chance to be 
like a superstar. He, he's really special, and that's that's the way Pete was talking about him during camp, you know, before we had seen him. But, boy, he sure has developed into one of the better. I think he's one of the top two best defensive players right now. Yeah, I mean, he's been their most productive pass rusher, and you're right. I mean, that's, this is the guy they were talking about that they were hoping they were getting, and they were so excited about seeing him out there. And then, you know, unfortunately, just that leg injury took away a whole year from him but he has been as advertised so far and it seems like he's just kind of scratching the surface of his potential as a pass rusher so yeah i mean he he looks to me like a you know double digit sat guy every year once he gets comfortable and starts playing more snaps and everything john what is the most interesting storyline to you heading in this game i i personally feel like my storyline that i i am so fascinated by is Watching this defense, Pete Carroll's defense, go up against two former offensive coordinators of his in Daryl Beverell and Brian Schottenheimer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's kind of what I was leaning towards before you said is just all these connections between the teams. And I was talking to my counterpart over the Jaguars, um, who, who writes for their website, and he, you know, he said that Urban Myers brought up Pete Carroll a lot since he's been there. Just the respect he has for for this team here in the program Pete Carroll runs and that's you know it's not a coincidence they've got all these Seahawks guys on their coaching staff so you know yeah how does that work with you know the, obviously Daryl Bevel and Shoddy know this Seahawks defense they're you know they know what the players like to do they know the calls they like to make so just sort of that chess match is going to be fascinating but I mean I think you know the biggest storyline internally is just how does this re- team respond to a lot of adversity and hopefully start right in the ship here this week because you're already in a pretty big hole. Now, you have that interview up, the opposing view on Seahawks.com with John, previewing kind of what the Jags uh, bring as a team, the challenges, the opportunities. How do these two teams match up kind of on paper as just a basic, basic overview? For instance, last week with the Saints, it was, all right, we know the Seahawks want to run. It's the number two run defense, and we know that Jameis Winston isn't always accurate, right? So what are some of those general overviews of how these two teams match up on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, the, the Jaguars like to run, too. I mean, you, again, you've got a lot of that similar offense yeah. to, to what was here before. And, you know, they've got a really good running back because I think he's averaging five and a half yards of carry. So, But that offense has been getting more explosive lately. Trevor Lawrence is playing a lot better. I think he had like seven picks in his first three games, and he has one sense. So he's cleaning things up. Obviously, he's capable of some pretty spectacular stuff when he gets going. So, um, you know, it's going to be you know kind of a lot of similar to what we know the Seahawks like to do of run it set up some big passing plays but uh yeah I mean I think that and the turnovers are going to be a big thing in this game that they've turned the ball over a ton this year and the Seahawks are one of the best in the league I think they are have a league low for turnovers hey John as far as the corner battle goes uh what were you hearing this week because it looked like I mean they're in a good spot right you've got uh, DJ Reed playing really well and now you've actually got like a competitive situation rather than uh who do we put in there type of situation yeah I mean for sure they they're better they're a lot better at that position than they have been earlier in the year and regardless of who starts they feel pretty good about that group but you know it was Sidney Jones again last week obviously but then it was Trey Brown down the stretch the whole way they kind of stopped that rotation so I don't know if that's a sign Trey Brown's going to start. I kind of thought he might last week reading behind the lines of what Pete Carroll said, and then Sidney Jones did, so maybe I don't have the best read on it. But mm-hmm. uh, I think we might see both those guys play again, and Pete seems to want to let those guys compete for it. But as you pointed out, I think either way they're in a, a pretty good place at that position compared to where they were maybe a month ago. John, one of the things that drew criticism a little bit from that Saints game is the fact that uh, the Seahawks, it's not that they tried to run the football, it's the – 
the fact that they were running against eight, nine-man boxes and heavy personnel and really trying to make it a slugfest type of game. Do you believe that's the style, ultimately, that they want to go with uh, during this time where they have Geno Smith, or is it a you know look back at that game plan and saying, hey, maybe it wasn't the right way or the right approach to go about getting the run game going for them? Yeah, you know, hearing Pete Carroll talk about it, I think it was more they thought that was the right game plan for that specific game, both in terms of they knew that that's kind of how New Orleans has been playing. They've been leaning on the run game heavy, and they thought, you know, we could keep a low-scoring game. And I think the conditions played a lot of that, too. I just don't think in that weather they wanted to put too much on Geno. So I'd be surprised if they're quite that conservative with the game plan this week, particularly – if the running game is not there, I mean, look, if you can run it like they did in the second half against Pittsburgh, then yeah, keep running because that worked really well. But I think they were a little more willing to play a low scoring game and punt when they needed to and hope, you know, hope they could win a close game than, than they would have had the weather been a little better. Jamal Adams was unsurprisingly one of the biggest names talked about, not just heading into this game, but into the season. What'd you make of, of his week against the Saints? I thought he played pretty well. I mean, uh, there seemed to be more of just kind of plays that jumped out at you than maybe we've seen in in past games. You know, he had the, the nice pass breakup on that deep ball where Sidney Jones was beaten, Adams closed and you know made the hit on that, and he you know had some plays around the line of scrimmage, some good plays in run defense. So, you know, I, I look, I get that the numbers aren't there of what he or anyone else would want. I mean, he, he had nine and a half sacks last year. You pay him all this money, you're expecting a lot of production, and it hasn't been there so far. But I do think they, you know, the way we've seen them using him more around line scrimmage the last two games is going to kind of start getting him more involved. And I, I, I feel like I'm noticing him more these last couple of games. Hey, John, last two national broadcasts, some pretty, uh, I don't know what, what you would call them, irritating type of uh, little uh, promo things that they did. Uh, there was the Legion of Boo uh, that they did, uh, kind of in between uh, commercials. And then there was the one last week where all of a sudden Pete's, you know, the cartoon Pete Carroll's getting hit in the face. That one was tough. <laughs> with, with fish and everything. I mean, I was like, and I remember looking up at, at NASA and we're both shaking our heads like, geez, who's, who's putting this together? Has that been brought up or has that anybody mentioned that they were irritated by those? I have not heard anything about it. You know, maybe in the maybe in the meeting rooms are showing it and having fun with it. I don't know, but yeah, I I, I guess you know, snark is is popular these days, and yeah. when a team's losing, it's easy to kick them when they're down a little bit and have fun with it. So I I, I don't think that's really gonna bother anybody too much. But yeah, I, I've noticed those too. I guess it bothered me, so you know, I figured that it would bother other people, but <laughs> I'm easily bothered. So. <laughs> <laughs> he is Seahawks.com reporter John Boyle. Uh, John, obviously, I hope you have a good weekend and hope you enjoy your Halloween uh, after this one. Hope, hopefully you're able to take the girls out, uh, get out there and go trick-or-treating uh, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. It was good talking to you. You too. Thanks a lot. See ya. Thanks, John. All right. We are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts. It's coming your way next on The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. We're about to go in the trenches with Ray Roberts and talk about how this team uh, can improve in the trenches, what they've been doing well. It's kind of where it all starts, right? So why not bring on an expert for that? And he joins us now. It's Ray Roberts, uh, former lineman himself and also host of the Seahawks pre- and post-game show. Hey, Ray, how's it going? 
What's going on? All right. How are you doing today, bud? Good, good. I mean, we we were talking about kind of what we want to pack up and take from this Saints game that we liked and what we want to kind of leave behind, right? Like we're going to a new place and we're going to bring some stuff and then we're going to leave the rest of it in the trash. So one of the things that I personally loved uh, was uh, the defense holding them to one of four in the red zone. Uh, they're the best red zone team, uh, red zone offense in the league. One of the things I did not like was obviously some of the sacks uh, that were given up or that Geno Smith took. So from your point of view, what happened up front with some of those? Because they finished with five. Yeah, well, honestly, I think one or two of them were, were tight end sacks where the where the tight end was responsible uh, for, for blocking. And, and so you can blame the scheme if you want, but, you know, having, um, you know, our tight ends try to block one of their, you know, one of the best pass rushers in the league is probably not a, a good thing to do. Mm. Um, and so I think that happened once or twice. And then uh, there was another sack where um, the Saints just, it was a very good scheme. They had um, their linebacker lined up over the left guard. He faked like he was pass rushing to to our left and then looped all the way back around uh, around the right tackle and ended up getting a sack. And that's a really hard game to, to switch off all the way down the line. And it takes a long time. So that also means that there was time to get the ball off. So, uh, so not every sack was a result of offensive line, uh, bad offensive line play. Uh, there was another sack where uh, Gino is uh, when we're backed up in the end zone and he could have escaped mm. or moved to his left and and found space to to either run or get the ball off. But he actually went back to where the pressure was coming from and got sacked. So there's a there's a um, there's more to the story than the offensive line possibly not playing as well in pass protection. And then just speaking in terms of that in general, uh, you know, I know that there's a, the switch between or there's more competition at the center position with Posick um, possibly getting more playing time. And uh, you know, I went back and I watched every single running play. Every single play, I watched every single person on every single play. And I'm not just talking about every offensive lineman. I watched the quarterback, the running backs, the receivers, and the tight ends. And if you go back and look at that film, there are several plays where um, the middle of the offensive line had gotten had pushed in their double team on the defensive tackle or whatever, two or three yards off the ball, working themselves up to the second level. And either the backside, the tight end didn't get the cutoff, and the, and the, the backside end chased down the, the play and made the tackle. The, the running back kind of hesitated and didn't hit the hole. Um, there was, there's this, this um, play design where I've seen it now for two or three weeks where we leave the backside end unblocked. So if we're running to the right, they leave the backside defensive end unblocked, and this dude has chased the play down every single time. So, uh, so that's not like an offensive line thing or, or a, um, or a, uh, uh, a fuller thing or whatever. Uh, but uh, so there's a there was a lot of yards that were left on the on the field in the running game, not based on the offensive line not being able to block them, but based on not everybody on the field being completely committed to the running game. So you can't have defensive ends avoiding backside cutoffs. You can't have, uh, I mean, you can't have line, uh, tight ends avoiding backside cutoffs. You can't have a double team by the tight ends on the front side and they get defeated by a defensive end and he disrupts the play. So there's a, there's more to it than, um, than the offensive line, you know, performing or not performing. Now, is there problems along the offensive line? Absolutely. Is there, to me, there's a lot of communication issues going on. The, the seems like everyone's late off the ball. 
sometimes it seems like the, the double T's and things aren't synced up and all that. Uh, but to try to put all this on one player and, and his uh, ability or lack of ability, I think is, is probably wrong. He's probably the low man on the totem pole, so he's going to get most of the blame. Uh, but uh, but if, the, if the guards are playing better, which they, neither one of them have really played up to their capabilities, uh, then that can overcome some of the deficiencies that you have at center, no matter who you have in there. But those, the guards have to up their game, and, uh, and then the rest of the offensive line has to continue to up their game. Hey, Ray, uh, so it looks like they're going to get Damian Lewis back. I want to say he had a rough game against maybe the Niners, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it, you're going back and watching all that stuff, and that's, I mean, you always find more than, I mean, everybody just, offensive line is one of those, it's like bullpen in baseball. Yeah, the bullpen was terrible, you know, but yeah, <laughs> it, it, it it does take a, a lot of blame, but um, but as far as Damian Lewis goes, what what do you make of his year? You know, the, the thing I think I see in Damon, and this is sometimes hard to understand when you have uh, dudes that like have a lot of upper body strength, is they try to block with their upper body. And mm-hmm. so you get into a guy and you lock out and you start twisting and turning with your upper body to see who can throw the, uh, the you know, the, the which, which guy's going to get the other guy to the ground. Uh, and so, but they don't understand that you block with your lower body and you finish with your upper body. And so what I see is a lot of, like, getting into a defender and then not keeping the, his feet moving. He just kind of, you know, puts his feet in the ground and starts twisting and turning in the run game. And then I've seen some of that in the past game, too, which was a carryover from last year uh, because there were times where he would punch and then stop his feet and the defender keeps moving and then he loses the leverage and then you get pressure on the quarterback. And so those are those are some things I've seen with him and also with Gabe in the running game. They just they tend to get locked their arms extended and locked out too early in the block versus driving with your lower body and then finishing with your upper body. And so you if you get a lot of stalemates like that at the line of scrimmage it's hard to work up to the second level. Those uh and then those those linebackers from the Saints, man, they were really attacking downhill uh the double teams and they were doing a they were doing a cross dog stunt. So if I'm on the right side and I'm the guard and tackling, I'm working to the linebacker that's over the guard. All of a sudden, when the play started, he would fly backside, and then the backside guard would fly to the front side, and that just throws off everything. It was is a pretty good little stunt that they were doing that was causing a little bit confusion because the dude that you're going to all of a sudden disappeared, and then and then the then the other guy flashes in the hole. So they some of it was schemed up like that. That was really good on the Saints part, but uh, I think that Damian Lewis just has to get used to like like really using his keeping his feet and his legs active in the driving portion of the run blocking, and then in the movement portion of the pass blocking. Ray, uh, Pete Carroll had talked about uh, there being competition at the center position. Ethan Posick seems uh, set and ready to go to get some more time out on the field. With everything going on, do you agree with that type of move? Is it appropriate right now? Uh, Does it create more confusion? What do you make of that decision? Well, the the thing that I see in that decision, Jake, is that I think uh, Ethan Posick has been a very good communicator. Uh, when he's at center, like he kind of gets people, you know, where they need to go, how they need, you know, what linebacker they're going to, what slide they're doing, what shifts they're doing. And, uh, and I feel like that's a piece that might be missing in the middle. I, you know, looking at how late some of the guys are off the, off the ball at the center snap at home mm. tells me that like, everybody is not quite getting set before the ball is snapping. So there's some kind of communication that's going on. That's not right. There's uh there's uh, a couple of times like, 
uh, a safety came flying off the edge and there was no adjustment to the pass protection to slide or to be alert to that that guy coming and one of them resulted in a sack another time I think the quarterback got hit so that those are like communication issues and I think that Posick brings that element to it he may not be um, you know as big or strong as as fuller uh, but he brings that element to it and sometimes um, you need that is just as important as being the you know, the big physical guys that you got to be hitting the right people at the right times because you, know, you can go hit the wrong people and it looks great but you're blocking the wrong people. He is Ray Roberts. You guys can hear him this Sunday on the Seahawks pre and post game show. Make sure you tune in for that broadcast and obviously every Thursday on the Huddle when he joins us for In the Trenches. Thanks so much, Ray. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Yeah. All right. We are going to be joined by the voice of the Seahawks himself, Steve Rabel. That's next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Getting you guys ready for the Seahawks Week 8 contest. This one, a Sunday home game, Halloween Day, uh, against the Jags. And Halloween we, means a lot to you, I can see. I have mentioned it every single time now. Yeah. Uh, well, joining us now, we'll see if it matters to him is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Raves, do you like Halloween? I, I was going to come uh, dressed as a fairy princess. Oh, that's and, beautiful. Uh, but that's what wow. I normally come. I normally <laughs> dress that way, so there's no reason for me to do that. Exactly. Don't Just don't change anything. Well, I like that idea me. because we were, telling, uh, we were telling Dave that he should dress like you, so that's even better. Dave, well, you want to tell Rabel what you said? Well, you dr- <laughs> what, I don't want to dress like a loser. Is that what you said, Dave? No, I said, how do I age myself 30 years oh, between okay. now and Sunday? Well, <laughs> all right, I'll buy that, I'll buy that one, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you need to bring your costume needs to include support hose and uh, <laughs> and uh, in- Viagra. Inserts, inserts into your shoes to help your flat feet. Oh, God. Uh, and a all right, race. that's enough. That's Getting enough. this one back on the tracks here. Right. Raves, uh, looking over. at this game against the Jags, it's obviously a must win for Seattle. They need to get back in the win column before they head into this bye week. Uh, so when you look at one thing, one area where they have to improve this week, uh, where's the first place you look? Yeah, you know, Stacey, it's it's interesting, too, because who would have thought that we'd be talking about the Seahawks needing a must-win? I mean, here comes uh, the Jaguars, right. and they've won one game in their last 21, and so you, you, you st- sort of think that that's where the focus is on who needs a win, but when you've only won two out of seven this season, you, you need to get things on track. And, you know, again, the defense now the last couple of weeks, I think, has played well enough to win, certainly uh, last week against the Saints. Uh, they've They've seemingly turn things around now maybe not all that you need to because the saints aren't exactly a juggernaut offensively but uh seattle was where they were supposed to be they they did their job on third downs for the most part and mostly most importantly the the only number that really counts at the end of everything is how many points do you give up and they gave up 13 and if your defense holds anybody to 13 you need to win that game so i I guess what i'm saying then is flip it over the offense has to be better Uh, you've got to be able to run the ball and I know there's lots of talk about, well, you're, you're running into these good defenses who are real good against the run. Why keep pounding your head against the wall? Because it makes it easier to throw the ball. That's why. And it, it, it'll make Geno uh, more successful, give him more opportunities to throw if you can successfully run the ball. Uh, Dave and I talked about it this morning. It was one of our keys uh, on, on our, the, the show we do, the TV show we do uh, every week, and, and that is – it's you got to get back to some smash mouth. You got to start hitting people and knocking them off the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm not seeing quite enough of that, and I, I think Dave would probably agree. Yeah, well, and on, on the defensive side, too. We haven't seen, you know, guys attacking blockers. And, and, and really, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be a caveman. Like we had uh, Mark Schlereth and he was talking about, hey, look, at its, at its core, this is a collision sport. And, you know, if you can't do, you know, get on the same page or you don't have, a, you know, tremendous finesse. So if you're a guy like, let's say Jamal Adams, I mean, maybe he doesn't have the greatest hand hands, whatever. You can always be physical, right? I mean, that's always something that that's like it's it's like when we go to break on time. Like it's a very mechanical thing for a radio show. It doesn't have anything to do with talent or anything. It's just being mindful. And, and I feel like that's what being physical is about, that that, you know, at the very least, you can do that. You can go out and hit people. I, I, do you feel that way? Yeah, I do. And and it's funny because I just had the conversation uh, for the show this week uh, with uh, Ryan Neal, uh, the young safety. Yeah. What a great kid. I know you he told is. me that. that he, not only a terrific kid, but, you know, he's a he's not the greatest athlete. And he will say, he sat there in, in front of me and said this. He said, I'm not the biggest. I'm not the fastest. Uh, but he said, I just want to do it so badly. I, I, I'm so grateful just to have this opportunity that I will do anything they ask me to do so that I can continue to play football. With 53 guys like that, you can win a lot of football games. Yeah. They don't all have to be the, you know, the first player chosen, Trevor Lawrence. But if you have a lot of Ryan Neals on your team, you can win. Rabes, how special was halftime for you? I know, I know, you were hustling down after uh, you know calling the game to get down there. I thought to myself, my goodness, how fast was Rabes running, going way back in the day and and tapping into that speed? But ran you, a four three eight. You were down there. You were right. you were not short of breath. Uh, you introduced Matthew Hasselbeck, who I know is special in your heart, and then to listen to him give that speech. I mean, Rabes, ha- I was half just fired up ready to put some pads on again and then I was also like half teary-eyed how was it for you well I'll tell you it's funny um because I got a I got a note from Matt a text from Matt yesterday saying hey thank you for for doing that and all and what a great deal it was happy to be back and I'm sorry but I was standing he this is Matthew talking I was standing right behind you and he said I could not understand I couldn't hear what you were saying and he's right for some reason, right where we were, you could barely hear what was being said. The echo around the stadium was was really tough. Consequently, all I heard Matthew do was scream. I mean, I just heard him <laughs> yell. I didn't understand any of the words he said, but I knew he was fired up about something. So we were gonna, we were just going to let him go. But I, I was I, I I am really and I mean this, and I think Dave, you know this uh, too. I, I I am serious when I say that I'm grateful that the Seahawks allow me to do that because it is such an honor to to be a part of welcoming into this franchise and the franchise history these great players. And I watched Matthew from the time he was a puppy until he left us. And, uh, you know, here's a guy that took this team to a championship and who grew every single uh, every single year that he played uh, here, certainly under Mike and, and then after he moved on as well. Uh, I was just so happy for him. I watched those kids from the time he was carrying Henry on his shoulders after the championship game uh, to now when these are these are a grown adults and they're terrific athletes in their own right. It really it really has been fascinating to see kind of I, I know that it started before Hasselback and that crew was here, but to see how they kind of were this great bridge and, and built a lot of the foundation for for what we see from fans now. I mean, we uh, were talking to him in the event center and he was talking about how the event center used to just be where like 
his kids and player kids and families would kind of wait before and after the game, right? And now it's like full of fans and there's an entire fan culture that that has grown and, and flourished there. And that's in no small part because of, of him and a lot of those guys. Right. And in no small part to the guy who's going to go in this week. Right. Holmgren who helped build that that winning tradition there. You know, we there there, there was the Chuck Knox years, and, and even, you know, I, I, we'll take a little credit in that the first generation of Seahawks because leading into yeah. Chuck, Jack, or leading into Chuck, yeah, a lot of Jack's players won a lot of football games with, with Chuck after that. But mm-hmm. Mike goes in this week. It, it's it's just a treat to be a part of it. And, and I love the history of the team, and having been with it since day one, uh, I, I look forward to when this generation of guys goes in because there's going to be a bunch of them. Boy, Matt is so, you know, talking about Matt Hasselbeck still, I know you call him Matthew because he means so much to you. He just, he was such a, a great, he had a, he had an explanation during the week. He's so articulate, like he yeah. knows how to put things. And he was talking about uh, Geno Smith and all the different things that he had to do as far as the run game. And I'm not sure if you heard it, Rage, but he was saying, yeah, and that's pretty amazing. And so you think about Geno Smith and all the stuff that he has to go through. And so he basically said he spent as much time during the week on the run game preparing for that and making sure that they check and get to the right spot and you're not running into you know a, a gap with with two guys in it or anything like that and it just makes you understand how difficult it is not only to play quarterback but to come in as a backup right and you know when I hear him talking with Mike uh, Salk in the mornings uh, and you can tell Matthew does his homework still I mean, he, he knows specific situations, and he can he's watching specific players on teams. So he's ready for these questions about the Seahawks and, and then, you know, perhaps everybody else that he's uh, talking about, certainly on Sunday morning in that pregame show. Those guys have to be on top of all that. It's funny, though, when, when you talk about Matt, and I, I said this in my introduction, and, and you know, I, I put a little of my own in there, but the Seahawks put that together, too. But the part about uh, a coach once said about Matthew, uh, when you ask him what time it is, he'll tell you how to make the watch. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and that kind of is Matt. I mean, he's got so much knowledge. He's so smart. And he wants to get down to the nitty-gritty of explaining things. I think that's one of the reasons it made him such a great quarterback because there was no stone left unturned, and it's working for him as a broadcaster too. I'm just really proud of him. I'm happy for him. And because his mother still calls him Matthew, that's why I called him Matthew back <laughs> in the day. He is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Uh, Rabes, obviously have a good weekend. Enjoy the game. And we look forward to seeing you induct uh, Matt Holm- or, uh, Holmgren. Mike Holmgren, talking about Matt too much here. Mike Holmgren into uh, the Seahawks Ring of Honor this weekend. Looking forward to that halftime show. As long as the the little cart is there to drive me, I'll I'll make it just fine. (laughs) Dave, be ready to do the first two plays. Rabel, you don't want that. Rabes is going to get back. I'm going to be kicked off the air for good. Thanks, Rabes. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right. We are going to take a look at uh, the opponent for this week. The last time Seattle hosted the Jags in Seattle, they absolutely demolished Jacksonville. Can they get the same done this weekend? That's next. This is the Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Before we get to our final thoughts on this game, coming up at 45 after, let's go ahead and take one closer look at the Jags with our opponent preview. And what makes this game so interesting, uh, Dave and Jake, is that we've got so many former Seahawks here, not just players, but coaches. So let's take a listen to some of what they had to say this week. First, there's Shaquille Griffin, Seahawks' former third-round pick, obviously a long-time starter for them, is now with the Jags, signed with them in free agency. This was what Shaquille said on going up against DK for the first time. I know DK as a person. 
you know, me as a person, it's just it's going to be a hard-fought battle. That's it. We just competing. You know, and that's one thing, being the same system for a very long time. I seen DK come in as a rookie to where he is now. The only thing was is we're going to make it tough. Make it tough. It's literally just battling one play at a time. And the person who gets frustrated first or the person who gives in first, the ones who usually lose. But knowing who he is, knowing who I am, just going to be a hard fight battle. You know, uh, every corner, everybody else out there, we just got to compete no matter who's out there. We know Seattle and Jacksonville have both struggled defensively. Seattle is 31st in total defense. This is just yards allowed. Uh, the Jags are 30th. They're 17th against the run and 31st against the pass. Shaquille do, sounded pretty serious. There. I was going to say, do he you did. guys think it makes a huge difference? And Jake, I know you want to get to the coordinators and we'll get to them. But do you think it makes a huge difference, the guys with the Jags knowing the Seattle team? It, it does. I mean, at least for Shaquille Griffin in, in that standpoint. And I don't know how DK is going to be. I mean, I think it doesn't matter whether you're a teammate or not. He's still going to go after you. <laughs> but, you know, I, I believe there's very much mutual respect there. And Shaquille knows how DK is wired and how he approaches the game. And, and he's ready to match that intensity. Now, I don't think that he is going to, and we all know Shaquille you know, personality-wise, he's not going to try and get into fights and things like that that I think DK it gets other people to bait into but I'll just tell you this and and it's going to be frustrating to hear this but this is the best football I've seen Shaquille Griffin play in his career those numbers that you rattled off Stacey in terms of pass defense Mm -hmm. Dave I don't know if if you watch the film uh and and had these same takeaways but I'm watching the film and watching Shaquille Griffin and this guy is playing confident he's playing press man he is driving on the football I mean, this is the best play I've ever seen from Shaquille Griffin, and I'm just looking at this, and I just get angry. <laughs> pulling your hair out. Yes, well, but he's, he's pulling the trigger. He's trusting himself, and, and I'm really excited to see what that battle looks like. Yeah, the, well, the value of that is when you go somewhere new, my best year was my first year in Denver. Really? Because mm-hmm. none of the baggage or what, whatever it is that you can't do follows you. You know, all it's like a fresh start, and then you know that gives you confidence, and that's something that I think is really interesting. The other thing is, is that I always held my opponents in very high regard. So you know, and if you don't know them, then they can be kind of almost like awesome to you, right? Uh, and in or aw, you could be awestruck, you know, looking at them and everything. But if you know them. You know, even if they're really good, like when I played the Seahawks, there was just a, it wasn't contempt or anything like that. It was just, there was a familiarity there that, you know, I I knew what they were about and who they were. And so that does help you, I think, I, I, because it takes away that awe part of it, mm-hmm. you know, and now all of a sudden you go, because if you don't know DK Metcalf and you haven't been around him and everything, you're looking at this dude and looking at his highlights and seeing what he's doing and everything, but you don't know anything about his personality or what kind of guy he is. You, you know, you could get kind of, I don't want to say awestruck, but like it, it's just something that, I don't know, makes him familiar. They always say familiarity breeds contempt, yeah. you know, so it's probably not that far, but I do think that there is something to that. And he sounded like a different guy there. I mean, you know, he's always a sweetheart of a guy. I always loved him. He's one of my favorite interviews, mm-hmm. but it, it sounded like he was, uh, it's going to be a big challenge for him. He's ready for it. Speaking of uh, kind of a familiarity and an admiration for your opponent, Urban Meyer, obviously head coach of the Jags, said it was no accident that he hired Schottenheimer and Bevel from Carroll Seahawks. Yeah, I made a comment then on Monday, you know, I'm not shy to say this, that I've studied Coach Carroll for many, many, many years, starting back in my Utah days when they were, you know, the top of the college football world. Uh, when I was with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart and Fox, I just would ask because I've always studied great coaches. And he's a guy that, 
competition was the number one piece of his, you know, his organization. And that became ours too. I mean, it's always been, but so it's not by accident that I've hired guys that were part of that organization. Those guys are Brian Schottenheimer, obviously Seattle's former offensive coordinator, uh, who's now the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach for the Jags. And then they've got uh, Daryl Bevel there as their OC. Yeah, and then Nick Sorensen mm-hmm. is, which I miss that guy. He's really, really good guy. Played for a long time in the league, but he's yeah. their special team guy. It wasn't Sanjay. They got a wide Lau? receiver. Uh, yeah, yeah, Sanjay Lau is. Uh, he is the uh, re- receiver coach for the Jags, which is one I know that DK, in particular, was really sad to see go. Uh, they had a really special relationship and grew a lot together in in DK's rookie year and second year in the league. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a ton of former guys. You go to former players. I mean, it, it, there is a lot of it. I don't I don't know if Pete Carroll shares the same level of mutual respect necessarily with uh, with Urban uh, uh, on a on a personal level. But I, I think if you're going to try to imitate anybody, if you're Urban Meyer, Pete Carroll laid out a blueprint for you to how to transition into the NFL and what principles and what things you should, you know, strive to to target that resonate the messaging that resonates at the NFL level. And, you know, urban is kind of swing and missed in some aspects, but hiring guys that are good veterans, good leaders like Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer, those are two guys that you want you know, leading the charge and and leading your message of a very young offense and a very young team. I love both of those guys. I, I know both of those guys and have been around them and and everything. And I think they're just tremendous football coaches. So for Trevor Lawrence, I think he's got two really guys to two really good good coordinators and good minds that are helping him along the way transition from college into the NFL. What kind of challenge might it give the Seahawks this week that there is that familiarity? Um, I don't know. I, I, to me, it, it was always a. It was always more of a benefit or an opportunity. That's that maybe is a better way to say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe there is that. Um, you know, uh, one of the things I would say though that where they start, and this is a good. You know, I, I've been kind of harping on this. Mm-hmm. They're physical. Their linebackers step up, and like uh, you can mm-hmm. hear the sound of them taking on blockers. And you know, you, you look at their running backs. They want to try to run you over. You know, I mentioned at the top of the the show that Jamal Agnew, there's a play in London where he just puts his head down, just tries to barrel over a defensive back, and he does. So you look at James Robinson, very physical. This is, you know, this is a team that, you know, I think you start looking around going, yeah, and Dan Arnold, you know, he's burned us a couple of times when he was with the right. Arizona Cardinals. He's a he's the tight end there. And then, you know, you got Jacob Hollister. I mean, again, you look at these guys and you every week you go, okay, that guy's a baller. That guy's a baller. That guy can play. That guy can play. I mean, then, you know, they're just not playing together as a team. Yeah. But, you know, you can have the greatest collection of athletes – and if they're not playing together in football, now it may be in basketball, you can, baseball, but not in football. If you don't have guys playing together, there's just no chance. I'd rather have a bunch of third stringers. Well, and how there. often did you see that with Cleveland? How many early first round picks did Cleveland have when they were at their worst and they still couldn't win despite having a ton yeah. of first rounders? Yeah, yep. it, it's it's one of the things that you, you mentioned all those things, Dave, and, and the talent and Stacey, you bring up Cleveland. The, the difference to me in this game is is it's going to come down to execution because the talent pool, I mean, I would say that you got more stars with the Seattle Seahawks, but collectively as a roster, the Jags, they, they've got good things going on for them. 
The Seahawks are two and five. The Jags are one and five. There's different reasons for that. Trevor Lawrence making mistakes early on in the season is a big part of that. But also, when it comes down to it, there's a lot of ifs. Ah, if we just would have played this coverage right, if we would have played together, if we would have done this, and that's why you see both of these teams in these situations right now, and it's really going to come down to execution. All right, guys, think about your final thoughts, your keys to the game. We're going to wrap things up next on The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. All right, we spent the last two hours getting you guys ready for the Seahawks' Week 8 game against the Jags on Sunday. Seahawks with a chance to get back in the win column. With a win, they'd be 3-5, and five, heading into the bye week, so a bit of a break before taking on Green Bay in Arizona coming out of that. So it's a tough stretch afterward. You need this win, and you need this break. So what's a key to get it done? Dave, I'll start with you, but let's go over some of our big keys, our final thoughts for this one. What, what do I always say? Be physical. 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 Be physical. Now that's uh, that's something that they they need to get back to. I, I'm really glad and excited to see Daryl Taylor out there. Yeah, they're two best players on defense right now, Quandre Diggs, Daryl Taylor. So you know, and we talked about this last week. That Legion of Boo graphic that we saw mm-hmm. and kind of talked to John Boyle about. I mean, they see that, and you know, and at the time Jamal was you know. He was not playing great and everything, and, you know, Bobby is Bobby. You know, he's going to make tackles. But, you know, for me, if I'm Quandre Diggs, I'm like, why'd they put me on that graphic? Right. (laughs) What did I do? Yeah. I've got two picks. Yeah, and then Pete, you know, that the one with him. I mean, I, I feel like they're they're taking body blows right now, you know? Yeah. They're they're really I mean, I think people are kind of like disrespecting them, you know? And so I feel like when are they going to snap and then all of a sudden become that team that hey, you know, we've had it and we're going to turn around like they did last year on defense. You'd love to see that happen. I mean, I you know, if you guys missed the interview with DJ Reed uh, on with us earlier, you can always go back and listen to it uh, wherever you get your podcast. It'll be the huddle under Jake and Stacy. Um, DJ came on and, and I don't want to say unprompted. We were talking about the team. We were talking about the defense, but just offered DT. He's he's special. He was like his get off is borderline elite. Like he's he's really, really something great. Mm-hmm. It's it's always good to hear that kind of stuff. Unprompted. Uh, you know, praise from other players because that's when you know it's legit. That's when other players are looking at the film and watching it and going, my goodness, this guy is on it, right? And and that's great to hear. But the one thing that I do want to see is two things. Number one, going into this game against the Jags, if this defense is really turned and you've got two offensive coordinators that know your defense better than anybody, that means they're going to try they, – they are going to put your defense in conflict constantly. They are going to pick and harp at the weak points of your system, and can you handle that? And can you handle that? Can you pass it off? Can you understand what they're doing and be able to combat that in an appropriate manner, both with individual play and also with game planning. That's number one. So if they can shut down the Jags offensively, I'll feel really good about that heading into the bye, knowing that you got Green Bay following that. The second thing is you've got to put a put together a better offensive game plan than what you did against the Saints. I'm sorry. I love the idea of running the football and trying to protect Geno Smith but not at the point of, of, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like, I, I just – I don't like that at all. And, and I think that trying to line up in heavy personnel and trying to get into these heavy box counts and eight-man, nine-man boxes and all that, that's not who this team is. It's what they might want to be, 
but find different ways to run the football that you can be effective, put Alex Collins in the best positions, uh, put uh, whoever's starting at center in the best positions uh, to succeed. And if you can do that effectively and keep your, your playmakers and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf involved enough, I think that that will, will be a recipe for success for this group. Looking at the defensive side of things, Jake, I know that you pointed to Trevor Lawrence making the bulk of those turnovers earlier this season and kind of ironing a little bit of that out, but there's still minus 10 in turnover differential, which is 31st, so I know it's weighted toward the beginning of the season, but do we think there's a better opportunity here versus a rookie quarterback than there is against Aaron Rodgers the week after enforcing a mistake? Without question. I mean, Dave, I, you know this when you see somebody like that. Is it a, like blood young, in the water a, a little bit? A young rookie who is turnover <laughs> yeah, prone and, and is willing to force things. I mean, I mean, you know the recipe. The recipe to get after those guys and, and to get after them early. Uh, it, it can really disrupt their rhythm and the way they see the game more than any other type of quarterback. And and that's, I think, one of the keys that the Seahawks probably need are, 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 are trying, trying to shoot for. Yeah, I, w- I would, yeah, like you said, perfectly put, blood in the water. Yeah, go go get him. Go light him up. So And then, you know, that's another way to use Bobby in a really aggressive way is get him blitzing. You know, and then a lot of times you'll see where um, he'll run into it's a blitz and he runs through it and it ends up being a run and then he'll get a tackle for loss. So, I mean, to me, if if you get that's how you get Bobby to play downhill and get him to play, you know, aggressively is just blitz him. So, you know, I, I would say, yeah, why not go after the, the rookie and see? I mean, look, they know that this guy is cutting his teeth right now. You know, and if you're a defensive coordinator, you're going, yeah, they're probably just going to keep throwing them out there. They know that they're not going to win this year. And let's see what this kid's all about. I didn't realize he was six foot six. Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, he's yeah. a he's giant a big, human tree. He's a tree. big dude. He yeah. is. And, you know, he's just a like that long hair and everything. I mean, man, he is a spectacle. I mean, he, and he was it's such like a good player. It's like if Mike Glennon could ball out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, Jake, great job. I thought for sure you were going to say cut off your lips in spite of your face. or uh, Cut off your face. Curtis, we call him Jake, aces. is a jack of all aces, like pulling magic I, out of a I hat. Had, I had That's one it. today. An eggshell. I had one today, apparently, and I he didn't. He said it's like planting a seed and growing water. Gosh. Which... <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love Curtis it. got in my ear after that one, Jake, and said, he did it right. Yeah, proud He's of you, Jake. Really proud of you, I, Jake. I said that, and I thought to myself, please let that be right. Please let that I be right. I bet that's kind of like a throwing <laughs> like a 60-yard bomb and someone hit you're it. just, whew, double coverage, and I what got it, it right what, in there. No, what it is, it's it. the feeling is is that you you throw it, you get hit as you throw, you don't see the completion, you're just sitting there and on the And you hear crowd, the crowd and cheer. And you're waiting for the reaction. Exactly. Uh, like, oh, did I, get, did, I, did I get completed or not? Yeah, we got some good, Jake. But, Sweating uh, bullets on that one. Yeah, uh, I'm so, shocked that that one was right, Something to lean your hat on. <laughs> oh, That's that was a good one. one. Jack of all aces. Jack of all aces is your, the favorite. Your guy, Demario Davis, did the same thing I did. I felt like we were kindred Curtis, spirits. Curtis, do you remember what, do you what he said? He said, oh, what did he say? He said, he didn't say lean your hat. He said. Uh, it was a similar Oh, he started to say dip your hat on him or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something you can tip your hat on. I know. I felt him. We heard that and we were like, hey, this guy, we got a guy like that at the station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know someone just like that. That's that's that's. Jake. But Jake, it, it was uh, it just doesn't sound right when you got that right. You I, said cut off your nose despite your face. I didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't like it either. No. I I want something else from this team on yeah. Sunday. All right, so we know that the key is going to be to be physical and and Jake, you're looking at like a better offensive game plan. Um can we 
uh, end there in the in just the final two minutes here and talk about just what we want to be able to see offensively and in, in sure. from both of you quickly. Uh, the Jags they play a lot of cover three. They play a lot of fire zone. Okay, they play a lot of fire zone coverage. Which means they bring pressure. They want to force pressure onto the quarterback. They play cover three zone behind it, which means that there's a lot of voids in the zone if you can protect. So you need to protect when you have your chances with Geno Smith first. And that will allow you to, uh, you know, take advantage of a lot of the open voids in the zone. The second part, and again, this is all the passing game because to me, they should be able to run the football against the Jacks. But the difference in that Saints game is the fact that they were non-existent in the passing game. You're also going to – they also play a lot of man-to-man coverage. One-on-one opportunities, you have to take advantage of it with the weaponry that you have. And you've got a lot of guys that can win one-on-one matchups and you've got to trust them to do that. It'll be interesting to see the matchup between Shaquille and DK, yeah. especially yeah. after what we heard. That's going to be, and you mentioned the man-to-man coverage. You say fire zone. Are you talking about like a zone blitz where they'll drop linemen? Yes. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. you know, and I saw a couple of mistakes that they made, and one was something that we've actually fallen victim to, but one of their safeties dropped, or, uh, you know, he dropped back and then jumped something short. Mm-hmm. Quarterback throws something over his head. You know, that's, and then if you're dropping defensive linemen, I'll always take that if I'm a quarterback. Oh, 100%. They don't know what they're doing. Nope, not yeah. at all. I still don't understand you can, it. You can try to train them, but it just doesn't work. <laughs> so. All right. This has been the huddle with Dave Wyman, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. This game against the Jags happening at Lumen Field, 105 p.m. That final game before week nine by broadcast is going to be on CBS, play-by-play by Greg Gumbel. And don't forget, you can listen to the broadcast on the Seahawks Radio Network. That's right here on 710 ESPN Seattle, Cairo Radio 97.3, Steve Rabel on the call, and our own Dave Wyman. Dave, Jake, thanks so much for joining us us all for the huddle. Dave sticking around for Wyman and Bob coming your way next on 710 ESPN Seattle.